Welcome to Our Best Interests. I'm Michael Rocco, and I'm here with my co-host, Jack Rocco, and our guest, Rebecca Autumn Sanson. So glad you could join us, Autumn. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here with both of you. Happy holidays. Happy Happy holidays to you. (laughs) Uh, I had the chance of attending uh, Autumn's screening of her documentary feature film, Reckoning with the Primal Wound, this past weekend. And she so graciously even provided me with a, uh, with a poster for the, for the show, for the film. And uh, I will get it framed, I promise. I haven't done that I yet. totally meant to do that for you. And <laughs> it was hectic. But um, also, I gave one to Jill, and she couldn't find the signature. So um, Michael has a signed poster. So Nancy signed it, but she did such a good job. Oh, I have a signed poster? Like, see, you didn't see it either. I didn't. Where, where it is looks it like the- it's printed on there because Nancy did such a like pristine job. The font is the same size as the lettering that got printed. And it's in white ink. And she like found this white pen and was so intentional about it. But it's too good. <laughs> no one can tell it's actually signed. That's but funny. She really didn't sign it. I'll have to take and a you second. You didn't even see it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. But yeah, uh, you did such a like so much work on the screening too, providing like post-screening support and just and pre-screening promotional services. So well, thank you. you. Know, I really appreciate it. Hoping. And I think there are a bunch of people from Adoptees Connect. There we had a few. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yep. We did. Uh, so let's let's get started. Uh, so we're here to talk about your new feature film. It's a documentary titled Reckoning with the Primal Wound, which was co-written with your birth mom, uh, Dr. Jill Hawkins. Uh, this film of yours is based on the seminal book by Nancy Verrier, which gave us all voice, we adoptees. Uh, it spoke to the trauma of abandonment and adoption and gave us validation, as well as a language in which to um, convey these secret feelings and thoughts that most of us carried for so long. Your birth mom, Jill, uh, was 19 years old, and she reports immature at the time that she gave birth to you. She went away uh, from her parents' home without their consent. I suppose to a home for unwed mothers. Is that right? And no, it was um, like a foster family. So she was the only pregnant person in this home in Nashville. Okay. That's how they did it. But it was through the Nazarene agency, Christian counseling services, CCS. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, this was a little bit after, I guess the, those homes for unwed mothers, they were sort of, fading out by that point, I suppose. Or, yeah, maybe. Um, so later, uh, so she, she, uh, she relinquishes, relinquishes you and she describes in the movie, I won't talk too much about yet, her grief uh, and, and trauma at uh, the need to give you away. But she felt unable to raise you at that time. Uh, she goes on in life, later remarries, 
um, a gentleman, I think she remarried now, a gentleman who is also an actor and a performer like she, uh, well, no, she wanted to be a writer, right? And she, yeah, she's a writer and a, um, she teaches on the college level. Right, for, yes. But she has a, yeah, her doctorate in rhetoric. And then Bruce was actually a superintendent, but they were in a play together. Uh, yeah, so they're both artsy. So they, they, yes, exactly. Which is an important part of, of your story and your film. Mm-hmm. So she ultimately has um, two um, daughters, two half-sisters for you, and a brother. And uh, so you search for your family. You don't go much into your search uh, in the film, but you, you eventually reunite in 20, uh, 2012 through an intermediary who is uh, your birth mom, Jill's social worker, who ends up back in the scene, interestingly enough. And um, we learn in the film- Because my, yeah, my adoptive mom, Martha Carroll, is the one that told me to contact Becky. So- Okay, right. So, and and that turned out to be, that turned out to be exactly what you needed to do. So she puts you uh, in touch with your birth mom. None of your, well, not all of your uh, siblings knew of your existence, but you meet uh, your extended family, I believe at least at, in one, on one occasion at a big party in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was extended mm-hmm. family. And there were some other family um, events like your brother's wedding, I think was, was also in the film, is that right? So you're now mm-hmm. reunited and you find that you're, birth family is a musical family um that music and music is important to jill and she thought that it would be important to you and that you knew about this in your new environment and that that your new environment would foster this creativity which she i guess she saw as a as a family trait is that fair to say yeah yeah um she wanted you to know about her as well and she included in the box which we're going to talk about in some detail, um, among other things, a, a Longfellow poem. Question. So you, okay. she left this clue in a box, right? And this serves as the great metaphor for the movie, I think, and for adoption in general. So what this metaphor you know, says to me is that this box represents all that's withheld from we adoptees. What is cherished by us, often secretly, is devalued by others. And the resulting pain of being kept in the dark about these links to our pasts is also devalued or minimized, right? Our, 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 our disconnect from our origins um, is not fully or really very well understood at all. How, do, how am I doing, Autumn? Is this a fair <laughs> representation of your story? And what are the important yeah. things that I messed up or left out? Uh, no, that was good. And I like your take on the box. I knew it was a good symbol. Um, also, so. yeah, I gotta, I gotta tell you, um, Autumn, when, uh, when I got to that part of the movie, um, I remember as a child, I had this little five inch plastic figurine of a caveman that for whatever reason, I remember my parents telling me that the judge gave that to me um, when I was adopted. Okay. And at some point I, um, you know, I I was in the service, I was traveling overseas and that box for whatever reason got lost. So I lost my cherished caveman that I had with me 
you know, from my adoption. And that was always a, a symbol of my adoption. And, you know, even as a 25, 30 year old man, I had this on my bed, you know, like, like a child's toy, you know, but it was meaningful to me. But when I heard, when I heard that in your movie, I'm like, I wonder if that came from my birth mother. You know, I wondered if that was a gift from my birth mother. And, um, and I was just like, oh my God, you know, I texted her, we've, I've since we've reunited and I texted her and it was funny because she's like, what an odd gift. No, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, and like I said, she had no idea where she that had came no from. idea. And why the judge chose a caveman versus anything was else. Was it just from the judge? Apparently. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. But you also hadn't made the connection where you thought it was from her. Oh yeah. Like I said, went listening. Yeah. Just you know, it was one too. of those things. Like I hadn't thought about that caveman in, you know, 15 years or more. And uh, when you said that, I was just like, oh, my gosh, that could be the mystery of the caveman. But uh, but it wasn't. That's it wasn't, though. So. We're here with Rebecca Autumn Sansom, and we're discussing her new documentary feature film, Reckoning with the Primal Wound. You know, Michael and I are both working on our own manuscripts, and we know how much time and effort and, you know, soul searching goes into it, you know, it's a year, multi-year process. And, you know, it takes its toll on you emotionally. And I, I think for both of us, we've also, we've grown in the process. Now, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about who you were when you entered this project and who you are now that, now that it's through and how, you know, despite how it affects me, how it affects Michael, how it affects all the other adoptees. What have you taken from the movie and what is, what have you, what have you learned from it, if you will? Uh, that's a good question. And I can't wait to read y'all's manuscripts. So um, when, four years ago, four or five years ago, um, my adoptive brother and another family member were struggling with addiction and um, that's very common, you know, in for adoptees. I really wanted them to read The Primal Wound, um, but couldn't get them to. And as a filmmaker, I just naturally gravitated to trying to make a documentary about it when I saw that no one had done that yet. And then it seemed to be my destiny because of the location I was at at the time. My husband was um, in grad, uh, getting his PhD in the Bay Area. And so I lived 45 miles from Nancy Verrier, an hour and a half, you know, from David Brzezinski and Nico Upper was out there too. And then- Are you going to tell me- I've been saying Nancy's name wrong for all these years. It's Verrier. It's Verrier, but like literally everybody doesn't. She doesn't care. <laughs> you can put, say it however put, you want. I'll put that note in my back pocket. <laughs> it's French. Um, but yeah, she does not care. And I did the same thing. And that's how she schooled me. So <laughs> now I say it correctly. Um, but my boss at the time told me, who was an adoptive parent, uh, told, was like grew up with Doris. And this was happening in real time on Facebook because Doris was 
doing the story and documenting it like as it was happening and it sounded you know as compelling as you saw and she was also in California and that's the first interview I did is I messaged Doris and she was like I'll be there tomorrow (laughs) and then she stayed for three days and we have so much footage I can make another documentary on just Doris Um, and I was also super pregnant at the time third trimester I was gonna have Frankie Jote any day and therefore a great subject to (laughs) be the pregnant woman um, for some of those shots that's me and just those two things seemed like enough to keep going and that's when I like saw that Nancy David and Nico all lived close by those all had like what was it like to be very pregnant with your birth mom who you're newly or recently reunited with? Um, was that surreal with her in the room? Yes. And I want, I asked my mom to come first, but she didn't feel comfortable. Like that. I don't know. She hadn't been there, hadn't done that. Didn't want like feel interested in that. And I, at first I was like, okay, but then I was like, you know what? That's fine. That makes sense. She's going to come like two days later. And then that's when I had the idea. I was like, oh my gosh, what if Jill wants to come? And wow, that really makes sense. And I asked her and she was so into it. Um, what was it like for your um, Jill, your birth mother, to meet your adopted mother? Like yes, that, absolutely. that for me is, you know, my major nightmare moment. Um, what was that? I know, I know, I know. And then like two days ago, I was FaceTiming them, my parents at Jill's house and had them talk and they were both like, even though they they don't have like they're not close but they're very you know have a good relationship but it's not like ongoing but they share me and Frankie Joe and my husband so it's interesting and they met for the first time back in 2012 I think when Jill came down with Claire to Nashville so that was the first time I met her and then my parents, we all went to a Greek restaurant and is Claire your sister? Claire's my sister, one of my okay. sisters. Um, yeah, that came down. And it was a little awkward. Totally. I can imagine. But it was also really um, impactful for both of them. And they said a couple things that I think they had been holding on to. And had ready for this moment if it ever happened so my mom was like I always felt like I would meet you one day and then Jill was like thank you so much for well I tell you I tell you Autumn um my mother is a genealogist my birth mother is a genealogist and when I found when I got her name I googled her and I went to the website she had a website that had I think it was like 10 to 15,000 pages and millions of, of, of visits. 
And, you know, she had her family tree that went back to the 1400s. And just as you say, she forgot to mention the one child that she carried for nine months. So what is that? Yeah. You know, and, you know, I mean, the like, you know, like Michael says this, you know, when I started watching this movie and I'm probably one of the few adoptees who's out of the fog and, and has not fully read the primal wound. Like I've, I have, you know, heard enough talk of it and I understand the basic concepts, but, you know, a lot of this stuff just sends me in a tizzy sometimes, um, you know, and, you know, I started watching your movie and, and Michael and I were watching it simultaneously from our individual houses. And I'm like, this is thick. This book, this movie is so dense. It's so thick. I need a break. You know, it is, you know, um, and so much of it is, is, you know, I, I think shared by us so gutturally, like at our, at our core. Now, do you feel that, you know, your siblings that you supposedly started writing this for did they get the message do they understand the concepts of you know the addiction the the struggles that adoptees have do you feel that it's it's reached that outside audience which we have such a hard time reaching i don't know because they haven't seen it um <laughs> your brother still haven't seen it you're saying yeah my sister-in-law has his wife um and she loved it, but I don't, I still don't think he's seen it. <laughs> and it's hard for me to ask so many times, you know, and I might not have like sent it to him intentionally quite yet, but you know what? This, I should, you're yeah. going to give me an assignment. I understand it. I'm going to do it. Well, and this I is would the big one. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, I finally allowed my, my adopted sister to read my manuscript and for me that was such a hurdle is that you know even as I was writing it you know I got stuck in this you know if I'm too honest then I make people look bad but then I want to be honest I don't want to be um you know disingenuous with it I want to be honest and, and open with it but I also don't want to hurt people. So balancing that fine line, especially for adoptees who want everyone to like them, who want to be, you know, always on the, on someone's safe side, at least I am, I'm the, I'm the compliant adoptee. I'm not the rebellious adoptee. Um, you know, did you balance a lot of those, um, those wants and needs and desires without offending people? How did you handle that? Uh, that was the hardest part of making the film, I think. And uh, I did an interview with AFFCNY and Chester said that there were no villains in the film. And that was great to hear. I, I agree with that. that true. Do you? Okay. Because then there was the comment at the screening that made me feel like, oh, no. Yeah. It's I mean, tricky. And I wonder absolutely. how, like, was your sister um, wanting to see it or read your well, manuscript or how did that well, go sister, down? Because maybe you have some pointers. <laughs> yeah, my sister didn't, my sister didn't know anything about it. And, and you were morning, just like, mm -hmm. yeah, one morning I, I texted her and I'm like, would you like to read a good book? 
And she's like, sure, what is it? And I'm like, mine. She's like, you wrote a book? I'm like, yeah. She's like, what's it about? I'm like, I don't know, stuff. <laughs> you a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but. Uh, and she, you know, what, what did I, she say? That, um, you know, she started reading it and, um, you know, she's like, I love it. Even the parts that make me cry. <gasps> awesome. You know, and I'm like, I hope others is that this is coming from your mouth. This is, these are, you know, you were the one who this system was supposedly designed for that your benefit and you know what are the results of this experiment and i think you know your your movie kind of goes into that thing about the primal wound is that it does present that alternative narrative and then you know the criticism about the primal wound is that it's written by an adoptive parent <laughs> not an adoptee so with the film i'm hoping to kind of like bridge that gap and You're here on Obi with Jack Rocco, Michael Rocco, and our guest, Rebecca Autumn Sansom. The thing that I took away from this movie most is that it seems like it's giving us permission to grieve. You're allowing us to do it with you in some way. And I think in a lot of ways, like what Nancy Verrier says is... <laughs> <laughs> is uh you know that we have to do this we have to we have to grieve and then we have to get beyond our coping strategies in order to achieve our authentic selves and you know i've experienced this personally i believe that she's right on with this perspective one has to uh realize that these parts of one's behavior and reactions and all of these things that are, that are so uh, ingrained in us come from someplace. And once we identify that place, it allows us to start, you know, reaching some um, sense of authenticity. So is that a fair interpretation of your movie? Do you think that this is, this is what you need to do in order to get through this? You have to cry out and you're letting us see it. Uh, yeah, and I love that. That that's your takeaway is huge. I um, have been thinking about because I read in another book about how emotions like should be seen as a tunnel that you get through, not yeah. a cave that you get stuck in, right. and you have to go through them to see the light. And I don't think we're told that we need to grieve, and so we're repressing something unconsciously our whole a, lives yeah there's a yeah. lot of dissociation on all corners of the triangle so to speak right we learn about the repression the dissociation that has to happen at, at relinquishment for jill and we we know you know what happens with us quite quite intimately and then of course for the adoptive parents they're shutting off the reality that this is something other than a natural child, at least they were in, in my day. And so everybody is kind of shutting off some very big human part of themselves. And it's painful to look at, but your film reminds us that it's worth looking. It's worth getting mm -hmm. getting inside this because it, it frees people. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Gosh, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And I hope that adoptees, all adoptees, especially adoptees who are suffering with addiction, um, 
see it and they don't have to read the book. <laughs> like, right. I, I think you're spot on with that goal because particularly when I think about um, family members, both adoptive and, and um, biological, it, it's far more likely that I'm going to get somebody to sit for an hour and a half and watch a film than I am to get them to commit to reading a book. You know, most times, you know, no matter what the book is, uh, you know, if, if it's not self-selected, it's unlikely to get read. Um, this is, even this though this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is. But I'm hearing from a lot of people that are, they're saying they didn't know about the book and now they're they ordered it. And yeah. can't wait to read it. What what I think, I mean, Michael, you're 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 spot on with this. Is that you know my um, introduction to the concepts of the book? A lot of it comes from Sunderland uh, when he talks about you know that everyone goes through trauma, and I think this is the thing that you know maybe non adoptees just doesn't get is that that relinquishment from your mother at birth has got to be one of the most extreme forms of trauma that you can imagine, you know, to, you know, that you are a part of this mother and that suddenly now you're out in the world, you know, you have been pushed through this canal, which is a traumatic event. And now you've entered this dry, cold world that normally is made normal by reuniting with your birth mother, you know, by suckling, by getting back in touch by bonding and saying, forget all about that small tube that I just pushed you through. Let's get back to being us. Let's get back to being you and figuring out who you are. And unfortunately, you know, oftentimes immediately at birth um, or at some point, you know, we never get to experience that. You are sent out into the world. So you don't know your authentic self. You don't know that you're grieving. And I think that is the hardest thing to explain, you know, when, when adoptees can't explain it, they can't explain their frustration. You know, you, you have this constant sense that you're like a toddler, like a two-year-old, you're cranky, you're, you're upset, you're angry, you're, but you don't know what you're angry or suffering for, it seems. And, you know, Nancy, you know, The Primal Wound, that book has, as you say, brought this to everyone's attention and also given words to it. And now that you've put a person behind these thoughts, you know, you are the, the representative icon, if you will, of this primal wound. And, you know, you'll see that we're not complete freaks of nature, but we struggle with some things that are a little different than the average bear as far as just who are you? Just be yourself. That's that easy, Autumn, right? Just be yourself. But for the longest time, we don't know who we are. And that's, you know, the message that I think, you know, and, and that struggle of finding yourself should not be this difficult. Oh, no, you're spot on. And exactly. And I see this on adoptee Instagram all the time or adoptee Twitter. It's like people have finally figured out what they're supposed to do, <laughs> but they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it takes us so much longer to get there. This is our best interest. I'm with Jack Rocco and Rebecca Autumn Sansom. We're talking about her new feature documentary film, Reckoning with the Primal Wound. Autumn, I, I um, you know, reading books, you know, picking up Betty Jean Lifton, picking up Nancy Verrier, 
Um, and now watching your movie oftentimes, you know, is a triggering event for me. Um, and, you know, whether I'm voluntarily or involuntarily still in some fog or in denial of, you know, whatever. I mean, I think we're all in some form of, of, of some stage of, of reconciling and, and it's, it's always different. Um, but the one thing that I'm trying to avoid, and you, you mentioned in the movie where someone says, you know, okay, adoptees have all these problems and you don't necessarily know about it. You know, they're, they're subconscious. And then at some point, someone in the movie, I wish I, I could remember who, who the quote was, but they said, does this mean that the adoptee is doomed? That it's not all gloom and doom. You know, we do have some struggles, but how do we turn those into positives? I love that you said that. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot this year because I had a good year. Um, and I think it's because I switched my perspective on that. I'm the one that asked Nancy, are adoptees doomed? Because this yeah. is one of my questions I have after reading the primal wound, even though it, you know, there's the healing is part of that, but it still leaves you thinking that I couldn't help it. And then she of course says no, you know, but it takes a lot of work. And I think I still am like, uh, I mean, who's going to say yes, <laughs> adoptees are doomed, but instead of like, marinating in that I have like you said I'm trying to think of it more a superpower where yeah okay adoptees have to forge their own way no matter what no matter how well they were taken care of so we are in a unique position to kind of be free agents and do whatever we want and that, that struck me this year and I had this idea to put on an award ceremony <laughs> which sounded like a huge vision undertaking. How am I going to do this? But I just tried and I got like the New York city mayor's office of media and entertainment to give me money. to yeah, do This it. is big. And then I got a feature in variety Yeah. two months ago. And Claire, my um, sister, Jill's daughter, Claire, uh, she, called the whole whole show because she's an events producer and um she said it had more you know cues than a broadway musical because again that was my vision but we did it and like somehow i don't know i don't think like could i have done that as a non-adopted person like would i have thought of yeah. doing something no if they think I'm doing something crazy like both sides can be like well she's adopted or she's not she wasn't raised in this family <laughs> I feel like that's an out for both sides of the family yeah. I don't know if you've ever felt that way but it gives you more freedom like there's a lot of freedom in that <laughs> real kids they have to own their parents you're like there's no doubt like you're just as crazy as your parents but I could look at my but the thing is not knowing where you came from you don't know what crazy you have in you. You've not seen your crazy. You've not seen your, your weaknesses. So you're like, I've got none. As far as I know, I've got no flaws because exactly. I have not witnessed a single one. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you go with that. <laughs> Freeing in a way that I'm just now accepting. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's, my yeah. perspective is changing. 
and still like Michael, I learned so much about your podcast episode that y'all did. And I'm still thinking through things in my name and you're yeah. the reason I'm doing a slash now instead of, <laughs> I do just, want to talk to you. Like, about oh, that. that makes sense because I'm yeah. still learning so much. I'm not like, I haven't been in adoptee land for 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of people in the community. Yeah, nor have I. How did you make the decision to take back autumn as a moniker for yourself? Was it was it at reunion and it would have been weird to call yourself your adoptive name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Jill introduced me as Autumn. <laughs> that was simply how it went. We talked about it because she told Claire and Candace and Christopher about Autumn. So I was always Autumn and she couldn't really switch to Rebecca. And I was like, that is fine. That's a great name. I love that name. And I am Autumn. So you call me Autumn in the Ohio realm. Yeah. And then. Yeah, I fully understand. I I don't have the same scenario. Um, I decided that I was going to reclaim uh, what my mother gave me. And, um, you know, I, it, it took a little bit of getting used to feeling comfortable in the name, back in the name. Um, I guess I still feel a little uncomfortable at times. My my half siblings have discovered my uh, my work in adoption and are, and are now following me. I haven't had the discussion with them about what they think of Michael Rocco, but they know me by my adoptive name. And so I tend to, as you know, I exist in adoption land and in my writing, um, you know, as Michael and I use my my adoptive name and, you know, my yeah, that's why I was like, oh, that's how you do it. That yeah. makes sense. Because a lot of people in adoption land want to call me Autumn. Uh-huh. So that also makes sense that I just. But all your, but all your home friends are like, where did she go? Where did Rebecca oh, go? Amanda. Yeah. Like yeah, that part of the I mean, film. That's why I thought it was amazing that she said that. I was like, come on, we're going to the studio because we were just having coffee. And she said yeah. all this. And I was like, wait, this is good. Right when in you the say beginning. That camera. <laughs> yeah, for those who haven't seen the movie. You know, one of your best friends who grew up with you is Rebecca, and she's a PhD herself. What is her her field of study? Education. Education, yeah. And she's going through this whole, like, well, you know, Rebecca went through this change, and now she comes back as Autumn. And she was kind of seemed very disappointed in it. And then I think if it was you or whoever was asking said, well, should she go back? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. She should do whatever's right for her. But it clearly affected her as well that you make these moves that are so powerful and so claiming of yourself and, and all the people who it shakes everybody's identity. There was a real moment no. of, of needed levity in the film when she said, uh, don't try to make me look shitty here. Yeah. Yeah. Take it's that like, off. Now I look like an asshole. <laughs> I have to cut the whole thing. Yeah. Like yeah, I have to leave that in because I think a lot of people will relate to that. And she uh, serves as the fly on the wall in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, Michael, you, you, you experienced the same thing when we brought blue on, right. You know, blue, his buddy blue is like, he's like, no, don't call me by my name. Call me by my adopted name. And he's like, okay. And he calls him by your, your adopted name. Blue, blue could, uh, yeah, he he can't get used to, 
calling me Michael when he was on the show. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think I don't think Amanda would have either. Yeah, Sorry, we, I don't know. We haven't aired that Amanda, show because speaking of adoptee issues, I've got some kind of a mental block about finishing editing our conversation with Blue, my best friend. And I explained to him, I said, I don't know why, but I have a mental block against this. And I'm asking for your permission to take time until I figure it out. You know, I know yeah. you took your time out to record with us. So, of course, he's understanding. But, yeah, uh, but you're right. It does. It does affect everyone. And, and you know, when, I, when we put out our first episode, which was just a dry run, you know, I talk about my issues and blah, blah, blah. And one of my good buddies, one of my bridal, um, you know, my bridal or my, my groomsmen, um, you know, he's like, Jack, I get, I hear you, but I just don't get it. You're you, man. I don't understand. You know, like where, where do you, where do you feel on that? Like, who are you? Who are oh, you? Yeah. Rebecca, that question. Rebecca, Jack, <laughs> Autumn, who are you? Are you all of this? None of the above? Something I mean, different? Who are you? That's such a good question. It's like the rise of the Phoenix. Is that all of our destinies? When is that Phoenix moment going to happen? And who, What's the name? Yeah. Who who yeah. are we? That's why I love um, Zinta in the film and adoptee in the film says that. Yes, I loved her. Yeah, she's her. Good. Her input was fantastic. I loved it. So powerful. Um, and there's a number of adoptee voices in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had important, important, importantly mm-hmm. round out. I think that the film that you know there's the there. Well, I guess. There's the two main stories, yours and Doris's is a secondary story, but all the other adoptees together, along with the scholars that you bring on, Amanda Baden and David Brunzinski, uh, among others, I think, um, they they really fill it all out for, for me as a viewer, and it, it made it feel uh, full. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And yeah, I, I didn't include Amanda Baden in my Bay Area people because she's in New York City. But Amanda Baden is amazing. And I encourage everybody to read as much of her work as you can. And um, I think hers is an important insight. She uh, introduces the concept of microfictions for adoptees um, on a par with microaggressions experienced by other groups when they're being mm-hmm. targeted. Uh, racial and ethnic minorities, for example. But I wonder if that um, situating the concept as she does, and I haven't read the work directly, I'm going by what she said in the movie. Uh, I wonder if that's letting the letting it the, the matter off a little too easy. Because mm. in some way, these fictions that were told are micro, not micro at all. They're extremely consequential. And maybe disinformation is a better concept or better way to think about how, you know, people, adoptees of my generation uh, experience their childhoods. I wasn't simply, um, you know, it wasn't small insults or rude questions that that I'm talking about. Those are, that's on a par with, you know, microaggressions, I think, but the dominant narrative of adoption as one of a of a desperate child being rescued and it's great for everybody and happy happily ever after you know i would argue that that is that instead is is more it's higher level higher order um crime in a certain way that wow that it's you know it's it's misinformation Mm -hmm. it's intentionally deceiving wow gaslighting just wrong 
Is that too extreme? I what about identity That's a great theft, question. Michael? What about identity theft? I mean, you know, you were. I, I mean, I, I, um, I was talking to a friend, and and once again trying to explain these concepts, and it's like, okay, I went through everything that everyone else goes through, and then I was born. Okay, and on the day I was born, they decided that you know what, we're just going to eliminate you. You're going to be in this little purgatory of sorts until we figure out who you are. So we need to put you somewhere else, you know, AKA orphanage, and we need to find someone else for you who's going to, you know, so that there was six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, you know, who knows how, how long this child is in, the, is in the orphanage without really an identity. Well, meanwhile, what are they forming? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me what goes on in the child's brain, but, you know, then you reemerge, like you say, three months, six months, however long it takes, for you, for that adoption to take place, now you're starting to form your identity, you know, but it doesn't just happen like that. It's, it's complicated. When Nancy said, uh, safety is important, right? Feeling safe. Because mm-hmm. uh, fundamentally, this is what it comes down to when you're that infant is the uncertainty. Well, you know, this, of course, with the backdrop of the psychological, you know, insight of the mother baby dyad as a psychological unit, that they're Mm -hmm. inseparable um, in principle in a, you know, in a cycle on a level of psychology, at least for the child and arguably, you know, no small part for the mother at that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that understanding, um, this protection, this self-protection thing becomes uh, just primary. Right. It's 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 making sure one doesn't continue to get wounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know my. Have you heard of the word um, epistemicide? And the just, uh, killing meaning. Of, yeah, like a cultural whole, like so if enslaved people were taken off a of land, then you lose all of that, like that was cultivated and how to. Mm-hmm just the history of a people is mm-hmm. well my, yeah my husband teaches latin and greek so i can mm-hmm. come across these things but um <laughs> he sent me a paper a colleague had done because it reminded him of adoptees and like losing that lineage that is seems criminal yes <laughs> yeah uh, we don't talk about that. Or but you're right. You know, I, I do think a lot of the, you know, I, the more and more you, I read into it and think about it, the 20th century was horrible in so many ways, you know, world wars, Pol Pot, you know, so many disasters, you know, that, that took place during the 20th century. And, you know, the, the you know, and, and the continuation of colonization and, you know, that, you know, adoption and the baby scoop era was very similar to that. You know, it's like, well, you know, I mean, myself, you know, I was I was a mixed race child. And, you know, that was unacceptable in 1966. You know, and, you know, so therefore, we can't have this mixed race child in this perfect, you know, Aussie and Harriet world, we need to make him something else because being mixed is not an option. He's got to be either black or white. He can't be both. Where could he possibly fit? And even when I first found some of my family from my birth father, 
you know, they comment because he was mixed as well. And there was some comment that he was too white for the blacks and too black for the whites, you know, and, you know, like this idea of, you know, adoption, it's like, well, we can make him Italian. Let's just erase what he used to be and let's reform uh-huh. him to something, something that is a little more palatable for the American uh, diet, if you will. Wow. Yeah, that's, how can that be our history? You're here on Obi with Jack Rocco, Michael Rocco, and our guest, Rebecca Autumn Sansom. I think that your audience is potentially massive. Um, Obviously, adoptees themselves, hopefully somebody will point them in the direction of the theater that's screening the film. Their families, right? Their adoptive families. If they are in your reunion, their birth families as well. Clinicians, social workers, addiction counselors, people involved in juvenile justice. Um, it, it's really wide. It's a wide uh, group of swath of our society that is affected by adoption. And like I said earlier, you know, it affects all corners of the equation. So what is coming up for screening the film? Where are people going to be able to get a viewing? We got some advice to do the film festival circuit in 2022 and then hope to win some awards and garner attention from um, distributors that way. So the, this, the stages are then to try to get some attention in the film festivals. And I suppose you have a producer. And then get us, yeah, it'd be, uh, yeah. Jenna Vasquez, who you met at um, oh, yes. Norwalk is the executive producer. And she's very <laughs> LA, lives in LA mm-hmm. um, and knows more things than I do. So <laughs> taking her counsel Great. and um, hoping for a theatrical release or sure a streaming deal. And then we'll see. Is there such a huh? thing as a, as a film agent, like a literary agent? There is. That is. That's what I do? need. It's a sales agent. Yeah. And, um, okay. They can call me. <laughs> Um, made a documentary last year so the competition is fierce for established filmmakers and that's why I point people to like donate five dollars to the GoFundMe or sign up for the newsletter or just follow the film everywhere because it shows demand and that's helpful Um, I would say one dollar but GoFundMe doesn't allow that gee how do you find the GoFundMe a page to to donate to your film it's on our link in bio um on instagram or on the website i throw it a lot of places there and the website is reckoning is, with the primal wound.com mm-hmm. dot com very good yes and if yes. people want to get in touch with you how would they do that actually you can email reckoning with the primal wound at gmail.com Great. Or DM me. I respond to every DM on Instagram. What is your Instagram it's, handle? It's um, reckoning with the primal wound. And there's some underscores after I think the first okay. two words. Okay. So. Well, we can probably put that on our, on our link as well, Michael. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. 
Uh, yeah, well, if, just go to the show get, notes, people. If, yeah. if you get, yeah, people don't read the show notes really. I know they problem. don't. I do a show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I spend time writing those too, and nobody reads them. Yeah. Um, I feel you. I have my little music news show. Same thing. And well, it takes thank, so much time. <laughs> thank you for your bravery, Autumn. I mean, just the bravery to do this and the bravery to put it out. I think all you know, uh, we do need this recognition. We need this awareness. And thank you for the effort and the courage, really the courage that it took to to put this out. It it um, it was touching. Like I said, it was it was thick for me. I, I had to I had to do it in parts because there's you know, just so many thoughts that go through it. But you know, anyone can you know you're going to get the concepts quickly. Um, and, and it's, it, it's, very it's well broken done. up. It's broken up into like 15 minute chunks. So I'm mm-hmm. fine with people watching it over time. When yeah. we get to that point, not necess- it's not necessary. But I'm saying, like Michael and I, we we were dissecting it and chewing it apart, and it was a it was a lot to uh, digest. And you know, it is. I've heard like way. some people who've watched it said they fell asleep for two hours after watching it. It's like I'm sorry, I I had to. Uh, I don't know what that response is. Just body exhaust. <laughs> I had to host a uh, a special meeting of my local adoptees connect group uh the next night because people needed to decompress and it was very oh, really? important to all the people who went there a lot of value is in being able to go with your family members and your loved ones and uh, it allows them to see uh the story of adoption disconnected from the person that they're with their partner their son or daughter uh and so it removes all of the personal biases the the assumptions about character and motivations when they see somebody else presenting similar ideas. So many people should see it and I think they will. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you. Everybody go out and see the film Reckoning with the Primal Wound by Rebecca Autumn Sampson and her uh, birth mother, Jill. Thank you. (laughs) 